Thanks for tuning in to the A.R. Bernard podcast. I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation. Make sure, subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing. Again, thank you and God bless. Praise the Lord and welcome. As you can see, I'm flying solo today. PJ is actually preaching at uh, another church out in Long Island. He gets to do that. So uh, here we are, just you and I. And I love the theme of that song. So well executed by our praise and worship team. Pour it out. We're ready for the rain. And I think that really speaks to the prophetic times that we're in right now. Prophetic in the sense that We've just come through four years of a very particular kind of leadership. We've also come through a period of pandemic, a dark time, not just in the United States, but around the world, in New York City, in our personal lives. So many things have happened within this last period that I believe that the Spirit of God is now bringing us to a place where he's unpacking it all. I think that we're going to see a time of reflecting and prophetically understanding what we've just gone through and what it means for our future. As I shared last week in, in, in our message, our Sunday service, I said that I, I, I feel that the Spirit of God is bringing a time of correction and clarification. I've been talking to a few leaders across the country and around the world, and they're experiencing the same stirring in their spirit. You know, uh, I'm going to tell you straight up, we have enjoyed some fast food Christianity, some feel-good Christianity, and we need to get back to teaching where there's sound doctrine where people are being fed a meal that's going to root them and ground them in the faith. We have to be careful when culture informs the church instead of the church informing culture. And we're in a very interesting time culturally in terms of the characteristics of the society that we're in and the characteristics of people in this society. I want to pick up where we left off last week from the book of Daniel, chapter 2. Daniel, as you know, was given by God insight into the rise and fall of four empires. Number one, the Babylonian empire that he was actually serving in, and God used the Babylonian empire to take a portion of his people into captivity. Now, you may look at that and say, well, you know, why would God put his own people in captivity? But if you look at it over the period of years, you will find that God was actually protecting his people and preserving his people for the future. Remember, the nation of Israel was under constant threat of annihilation. And they were carrying the seed that God promised to Abraham. So to wipe out the nation would be to wipe out the seed. That seed, as you know, is Jesus Christ, who would appear in human history, all right, much later. So Daniel 
was given insight into the rise and fall of of Babylonian Empire, then the Medo-Persian Empire, then the Grecian Empire, then the Roman Empire. And it is in the time of the Roman Empire that Jesus Christ now comes on the scene. So the prophetic looks at history, understanding historical events, understanding how these events relate to what's going on now. And I will tell you this, there is something called public revelation. It is what God has already revealed in the scripture that we call the canon of scripture, that which is recognized as divinely inspired. Are there other works that are divinely inspired? Yes, but this is the embodiment of truth that is foundational to the Christian community and Christianity globally. So that is public revelation. There's also personal revelation where God speaks to the individual, and that has to be tested by the public revelation. So the Bible, the scripture, tests all personal revelations because they have to be tested. They have to be discerned. And discernment is critical, especially as we look at the prophetic times that we're in right now. I was talking, texting one pastor out in California, and I asked him, I said, you know, what's the Holy Spirit stirring your heart right now? And he he said to me, Ezekiel 37, where God is breathing new life into those dry bones. And I think that that is something that's going to be necessary right now, that God will breathe new life into his people, into the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ globally, especially here in America, to revitalize us and increase our witness in a day and time that the church is being challenged across the boards on many issues that we stand for. So we're an interesting time. So I want to take the time to take a look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. And we're going to be hanging out in the English Standard Version. And uh, let me just go to it here. And you can join me, of course, open your Bibles. And we're going to study because the scripture says, study to show yourself approved. I know people want a quick word. You know, and I will tell you this. We live in a grab-and-go world, and you cannot have grab-and-go spirituality. God is not going to box your spiritual growth up into a box lunch so you can grab it and run with it. No, it's going to take time to establish solid roots and to establish a solid foundation because when you have that grab-and-go Christianity, that, that Christianity light, all right, it inspires you and you get excited. But when the storms come, you're not prepared to handle it. Why? Because you have no roots. Jesus told that story, didn't he, about those who, uh, the seed that fell on, on the rocks, but they had no root in them, the stony ground. And when the sun came out, parts, when conditions changed, they weren't ready for it. We want you, we at CCC especially, A.R. Bernard wants you especially to be rooted and grounded in your faith. We want you to live a victorious Christian life. We want you to learn, grow, and contribute. We want you to have a solid foundation, and we want you to have a more intimate relationship with God, a more intimate 
relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And when you have an intimate relationship with the Lord, he invites you to join him, to share in his plans and his purposes. Because remember, it's not all about you, not all about us. It's about him, Jesus Christ, his kingdom, his plans and his purposes for this present time in the earth and in a future to come. So Daniel, an incredible prophet of God, and circumstances that he was placed in Babylon were not the greatest of circumstances, but he learned to adapt and he learned to adjust. Essentially, he was a child of God living in exile that God elevated to a place of influence and spiritual authority. God gave him revelation. So he is now interacting in chapter 2. And God gives him insight. And that's what wisdom is. It is divine insight. We're talking about godly wisdom. There is human wisdom that comes from experience and knowledge and understanding. But there is divine wisdom that is supernaturally infused in the heart and mind of an individual to see things that could not ordinarily be seen. So in verse 19, chapter 2, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And God works in visions and dreams. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, verse 20, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might, power, insight, understanding. Verse 21, he, God, changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise, divine insight, and knowledge, information that could not be ordinarily understood or discovered or ascertained. To those who have understanding, he reveals, God, reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. Wow. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, thank you for our gathering this morning. Wherever people are around the world, across the country, locally as well, we thank you that they've chosen to be a part of this, that you have led them to be a part of this move of your Holy Spirit in the earth today. I pray that their hearts and minds will be deeply touched, renewed, transformed, and their insights opened to see and understand things that they would not have ordinarily seen or understood by their own strength. Bless us, Father. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here is what really three things that I want to start out with. Daniel speaks of times, seasons, and kings. Again, times, seasons, and kings. And of course, right off the bat, you know, kings talks about leadership. God is involved in the rise and fall of leaders. He determines who's in power, and they are in power either by his direct will or his permissive will. And there is what God directs 
and there is what God allows to take place, and he uses it for a greater good. God is ultimately in control of world events. That's what Daniel basically is saying here. God is ultimately in control of human history. He is in control of world events. So let's look at the word times because I want you, and I'm going to take, take some time to unpack this, all right? Times means periods in history. Periods in history. We know we divide history into different periods, some macro periods, some micro periods, but it's specifically a time. It could be a year, it could be a decade, could be a century, could be a thousand years. We divide history into periods of time. So times represents periods in history marked by certain events and particular characteristics. I'll say it again. Times, all right? Periods in history marked by, you got to write faster than that or type faster than that, marked by certain events and particular characteristics. Got that? So certain events, notable events, take place within certain periods of human history. And there are certain characteristics or certain things that characterize that period in history. So when Daniel says that God is in control of that, absolutely. He's in control, not only of history in its totality, but the periods within history. He responds to the characteristics of those periods, and he responds to certain events within those periods of history. I took some time to just jot down all of the references that Jesus made to historical events, historical people, and characteristics. When he referred to the days of Noah, saying that that's how it's going to be before the coming of the Son of Man, his return. He was talking about a person in history. He's referred to the flood, an event in history. And he also talked about the character of the people, the character of society at that time. He talked about people marrying and being given in marriage, building and growing and increasing. He also referred to the days of Lot and what took place with Sodom and Gomorrah, another event in history, another person in history. He even talked about Lot's wife and used her to speak of a certain character of that period and the circumstances surrounding that particular event of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what did she, Lot's wife, represent? She represented worldliness. That aspect of society that looks not to God, but to human ingenuity and human strength. And humanity becomes their hope instead of God. And we're dealing with that right now in human society. So that's times. I'm going to say it again. Periods in history, human history, marked by certain events and particular characteristics. Secondly, Seasons, 
times. God is in control of the times, the periods in history. He's in control of the seasons as well. You may be more familiar with this word, not in the Hebrew, all right, but in the Greek. You're familiar with the the term a kairos moment. K-A-I-R-O-S, that's the Greek, a kairos moment. We apply it the same way the Old Testament did, but in the New Testament, we think of that word kairos. You think of a kairos moment. That is what seasons refers to. So seasons is an appointed time or occasion where God has determined certain things to happen either certain events to take place, certain circumstances to be created socially, politically, economically, all right? Or he determines for a particular leader or kind of leader to be in position of power. That could be one, that could be several leaders. God is in control of the world and world events, all nations. Even though in the Bible you read about God's involvement with Israel and the nations surrounding Israel because the Bible focuses on the Middle East. That does not say that God was not involved and in control of what was happening in other nations and societies around the world that the Bible does not mention. God is in control of human history. So seasons, it is a, an appointed time or an appointed occasion. It is also defined as a favorable or appropriate time for a particular person to emerge to power or to emerge to step up to an occasion, to rise in response to an occasion. God will have a person anoint an individual. And guess what? It doesn't have to be born again Christian. God uses people And thank God he doesn't wait for us, because sometimes we can be, you know, late to the scene. God will take an individual, all right, that doesn't even know him, elevate that person to power, and use them for a specific occasion. So when we think of seasons, we're thinking of a favorable or appropriate time for a particular person or a kind of person that's needed to accomplish God's plans and purposes. Or it could be a favorable time for a situation to emerge. We have seen that in American history, where events become the catalyst for incredible change within American society. We look back at the Civil War. We look back at at, at the March on Washington. We look back at at 9-11. We look back at World War I, World War II. I mean, these are events that heavily shaped and influenced American society and who we are and where we are today. So again, seasons, appointed time or occasion, a favorable or appropriate time for a particular person or kind of person to emerge or to be put in power, a, 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 a favorable time or occasion, all right, appropriate for a particular purpose to be accomplished, or a particular situation to become the catalyst. And think about situations, events. We have experienced George Floyd, right? Last year during COVID. What did that do? It became a catalyst to point to 
the inequities it, to point to the treatment of persons of color, especially males, black males in American society when it comes to police. Now, look, I believe in police. I believe in order. I believe and respect law. Jesus taught us that as well. However, there has to be accountability when the people who are in positions of power abuse that power. There has to be accountability, especially if there's a pattern of abuse perpetrated against a particular group of people within society. So that's seasons and kings. Think about it. Leaders in positions of power. God, Daniel is saying, is in control of everyone that is in a position of power. God directs that or he allows that. It is his direct will or his permissive will. And that's why when we discern, we say, okay, all right, this is either the direct uh, movement of God or it is the permissive will of God. God is allowing this to take place. That's how we look at it. And, and, I, I, and I will tell you, this is important because it puts things in perspective when we get upset when certain people may be in power or certain people may look like they get away with something, etc., God is not mocked, the scripture says. Nobody gets away with anything. God is in control. And boy, if I can just run that home to you this morning. He's not only in control of human history, he's also in control of your personal history, my personal history. We see that in the words that he spoke to Jeremiah the prophet. When he told Jeremiah, he said, when you were in your mother's womb before, <laughs> all right, then I knew you and called you to be a prophet. He said through the apostle Paul, the apostle Paul testified in Galatians, what? That God separated me from my mother's womb to do what I am doing, to, to respond to this calling. Did Paul always know that? No, he didn't. But God was there in the very beginning of his life, my life, your life. So he's not just the God of human history at large. He's the God of your personal history, your personal times, seasons, and experiences of leadership or your relationship with leadership. God is in control. I say this because in order for us to discern, and it's so important that we discern. The prophetic is about discerning what has happened and what God has already said. Too often we want to know what he hasn't said, what, what's coming into the future. We want to divine the future. Uh, we want to know the future. And yet there's so much that we know that we haven't obeyed. There's so much that we know that we have not submitted to. And yet we want more information. We want new. No. When it, I, think about this. When God is using kings, if I can give an illustration, and, and boy, I, I wish we had the time to go a little deeper, but, but I was looking back um, at the civil rights movement in 1964, Civil Rights Act, and reading several books and articles around what took place, Brown versus uh, the Board of Education, the desegregation of, of, of schools, um, the, the leading up to the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And it dealt with uh, employment discrimination. It dealt with housing discrimination. 
Uh, it dealt with discrimination across the board. And I said, wow, 1964. But that was not the first Civil Rights Act. The first Civil Rights Act was in 1867. And it came on the heels of the Civil War. But think about this, if, if I can get prophetic with you, all right? The first Civil Rights Act of 1867, all right, it took one president to get that act passed. What were the circumstances? A civil war. The nation was at odds with itself. It took one president to end that brutal economic system of, of slavery, right? One president, Abraham Lincoln. But not just that one president by himself, the circumstances and situations that surrounded his presidency were serious contributors to the fact that the nation would move to a place of enacting a civil rights act that would not only end the economic, brutal economic system of slavery, but also lead blacks into a new era. That period called Reconstruction. Got it? One president. And, and, and only to have it undone by another president right after that with something called the 1877, the Compromise of 1877. And that's where Congress engaged in a backroom deal to, to give in to the South and the South's demands to treat, ultimately, treat blacks as they chose. It opened the door to segregation, to Jim Crow. It opened the door to all, a different kind of enslavement of people of color. But think about it, the circumstances surrounding that. Fast forward 100 years, all right, what did it take? Another act, another Civil Rights Act. We already had one 100 years before, but it took another Civil Rights Act. And how many presidents this time? Two presidents. John F. Kennedy to initiate it, and I'm not saying it required his death, but it was his death that really stirred Lyndon Johnson, the next president, to take it over the finish line and enact the 1964 Civil Rights Act. So when you, as a Christian, look at history, we look at it knowing that God's divine hand is involved in shaping and influencing what's happening. God takes people and he stirs the hearts of those people. I'm going to say it again. This is what Daniel was trying to get across, all right, in the midst of the Babylonian Empire. God controls the course of world events. God controls the course of world events. And he does it without violating free will. And if PJ was here, he'd be asking me questions about that. But he's not here, so we can keep moving. This is where his wisdom comes in. By his direct or permissive influence on people, situations, events, legislations, policies, systems, structures. See, we as Christians, we see God's divine hand at work in everything that's going on. We step back from the news report and say, okay, humans are engaged, but what is God doing? What is the Lord doing here? And that takes time and anointing, but God wants us to discern the times. He influences again by his direct will, 
or his permissive influence, by direct or permissive influence, God, again, controls the course of history. By his direct or permissive influence on people, situations, events, legislations, policies, systems, and structures. And he influences all of these things and people according to his will and his purposes. And we don't fully know that. Ephesians 1, uh, 111, you could take a look at it in your spare time, but it simply says that he works everything according to, in accordance with his plans. He works everything, all things, according to the counsel of his will, King James language, in accordance with his plans. God uses, and this is, this is what we have to understand about God. We can get a little deeper here in our teaching today, all right? And you say, well, wait a minute, he only uses saints. No, God uses saints, God uses sinners, absolutely. God uses, when he uses people who don't know him, what does he use? He will use their nature. He will use their ambitions, like Pharaoh. Pharaoh was about power, and what did God do? He used him to create a situation that, will ultimately, that would ultimately liberate his people, the Hebrew people who were in Egypt. Out of that Egyptian society would come a nation of Israel. So God uses for, for <laughs> I don't want to put sinners here, that's not good, but, but, but unbelievers, let's put it that way, God uses unbelievers. He uses unbelievers. And what does he stir inside of people? What does he stir inside of them? Well, he uses their ambitions. What are those things? He uses their covetousness. Their hunger and power, their jealousies, their envies. God will use it. Internationally, you have no idea how much rivalry and jealousy and envy exists between nations, between political powers. He uses covetousness. He uses their rivalry. And I'm not saying that covetousness is good, so don't say Pastor Bernard said God will use you if you're covetous. I didn't say that. I'm saying that he takes the reality of human nature and he uses it to accomplish his will. So people can be covetous. People are, are, you know, he uses rivalry. He uses, oh, you know about this one. This is a big one. He uses their vanity, their desire to be seen, all right? And he uses their lust for power. God uses all that. And this is on the negative side. So you know what? Let me, let me, let me change this. Let me change this. I know you put it in your notes already, but it's okay. That's why we have this thing called an eraser. This is the negative side of things. And on the positive side of things, positive side of things, God uses people's what? Generosity. And notice, these are opposites. Covetous on the negative side, covetousness, but on the positive side, what? Generosity. He uses, instead of rivalry, he uses cooperation. When he gets people to come together, leaders, all right, with common interests, he brings them together. Instead of vanity, he uses on the positive side, humility. 
And instead of lust for power, he uses love, which is the opposite of lust. God uses people, their ambitions, their fears, their concerns, their desires, and he influences them through natural reasoning. All right? They'll reason things. Or he influences them through the actions of the Holy Spirit. Now, God controls the speed of history. Last week, I shared with you about the four industrial revolutions and how they shaped and changed human society and accelerated the growth of human society, the development of civilization. In 1700, the population was 670 million. Last week, I apologize, I said 680. was 670 million was the population of the world in the 1700s, all right, in 1700. And by 2011, 6.7 billion people on the planet. How do we go? I mean, thousands of years prior to 1700, all right, there were a lot of people. But in 300 years, we go from a population, global population of, 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 of 670 million to 6.7 billion people. What allowed for that? Advanced industrial revolutions, technological revolutions. The revolution that we're in now is the digital revolution. So as a, as a Christian, as a believer, I sit back and say, okay, God's in control of all of this. God allowed for these revolutions to take place within a short period of time. And that's how God accelerates time. There's a wonderful passage in the Bible in Matthew 24 where Jesus talks about some of the end time judgments. And he makes a statement. He says, except these days be shortened, no flesh would be saved. Wow. Imagine that. I'm say it again. Except these days be shortened, no flesh would be saved. In other words, if he allowed humanity to go its own way, it, will re it would result in the self-annihilation of the human species. But how does God shorten the days? How does he accelerate human development? Through knowledge, through information. The scripture says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God. The things that are revealed belong to humanity. So there are secret things and there are revealed things. In fact, that was the issue that God had with the surrounding nations around Israel who wanted to through witchcraft, sorcery, divination, necromancy, all of these things access knowledge access information that God did not want released in the earth until the appropriate time. It's like when Jesus says to his disciples, there's certain things, there are things that I want to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Human society could not handle some of the information that would move society forward because it would fall into hands that would turn it into something destructive. And we see that. We see that again and again and again. So here it is. The secret things, all right? He controls, God controls the speed of human development by controlling information. And you thought the tech people were in control of information. No, no, no. God is in control of information. And you look through history and you see where he allows certain discoveries to come into play. And all of a sudden, it accelerates human society. And there's a difference between uh, linear growth and, and exponential growth. 
And what we saw in the last 300 years of population growth, we, before that it was linear growth. It was a constant rate of growth. But in the last 300 years, we experienced something called exponential growth. Boy, I wish I had some time to kind of break that down. God, maybe we'll get to it, I don't know. But God deals uh, in progressive revelation of himself. Let's go to Exodus chapter 6. All right, Exodus chapter 6 in the ESV. Exodus 6, let me catch up to you. I'm sure you're there already. And this is the beginning of the Exodus where God is dealing with Moses, preparing him to liberate the people that would become the nation of Israel. Verse 1, but the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now, Moses would be familiar with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because that information was passed from generation to generation. He grew up in his home hearing about this. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God already, as God Almighty, I'm sorry. But by my name, the Lord, all right, the Lord, the self-existent or eternal one, he says, I am that I am, I did not make myself known to them. So God progressively gives information about himself. He progressively gives information about his plans and his purposes. And he controls the speed of human development, the speed of human civilization, by controlling the information and the discoveries that take place within human society. This is powerful when you think about it. All right? And, and, and all of this around a principle, because we're running out of time. All right? And it's called the principle of acceleration. It's called the principle of acceleration. And that's really what I want to get to. I want to show you that principle in, in uh, global affairs, but also in your personal life. How does this come back to you and your personal? Remember, God is in control of human history uh, in its totality, but he's also in control of your personal history. How does this relate to your personal history? All right, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to give you this, all right? I'm going to give you this today because growth in our society is no longer linear. It's exponential. What do I mean by that? I'm glad you asked, okay? So, all right, all right, I know some of you had trouble in math. Stay with me. Stay with me. We'll be, you'll be all right, okay? Linear growth is always at the same rate. Say it again. Linear growth is always at the same rate. I'll say it again. Linear growth is always at the same rate. But exponential growth increases in speed over time. Linear growth stays the same, the same rate. All right? Exponential growth increases in speed 
over time. In other words, the growth gets faster and faster and faster and faster. Just in the last century, the 20th century, we can see the growth of technology and industry. It just keeps moving faster and faster. What took a long period of time to, to, to discover and develop, now is being discovered and developed faster and faster. We're moving at the speed of thought. So how can I illustrate that for you? All right, so if I have an x-axis, all right, and I'm going to show linear growth here, all right, notice at the same rate, each increase is by three, 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 three. So it's growth, it's slow, all right, but it's linear. It's moving along a plane at a certain pace, at a certain rate. It's a lot slower. But if I were to create a y-axis here, and let's say we go from one, this is exponential. So this is linear growth, this is exponential growth. Notice what's happening here. This is three, but now this increases by six. And then this continues. So it keeps multiplying. It moves faster. So what we're experiencing in human society is not linear growth, but exponential growth. Growth that's moving faster. And here's a, here, here's a thing. Here's a principle of acceleration. And, and it's expressed beautifully in, in uh, 3 John chapter, uh, uh, 3 John 2. It's only one chapter, but 3 John 2. And you've heard this verse. You've heard this verse, and it's been applied to prosperity, right? Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Notice material prosperity supported by the prosperity of the soul. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. Be successful. Grow. Develop your skill, talents, and abilities. All right? Accomplish great things. Achieve upward mobility, etc. But... You must also grow and develop your soul at the same time. What is the soul? The mind, the will, and the emotions. That's so important. That's a, a principle of acceleration. Here's why. Because when we move from linear growth to exponential growth, and you've experienced this in your personal life, where things are moving at a particular pace, it's slow, and you could see growth and development, but it's moving at a, the same rate. But all of a sudden, you hit exponential curve. You hit growth, and things start speeding up in your life and moving faster. All right? Here it is. Societally, as things grow and develop, it can outpace the mental, motivational, emotional, no, and moral capacity needed to sustain it. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say it again. As things grow, it's a principle of acceleration. As things grow and develop, it can outpace the mental, motivational, emotional, and moral capacity needed to sustain it. You can outgrow your ability to sustain that growth. That is true of a nation, true of a business, true of society, and it's also true in your personal life. Your success can outpace your capacity if you don't keep expanding that capacity. I got to stop here. I'm over time. But I'm going to develop this more, bring it into your personal life 
so that you can understand how God will accelerate things exponentially towards a purpose, all right? Because God, what, what's happening? We're moving faster and faster to some end. We don't know what it is, all right? All right, we as Christians, hallelujah, we know that ultimately it's leading to the return of Jesus Christ and his establishment openly, physically, visibly, his kingdom, his rule on the earth. But this is what's happening in society. For thousands of years, society was moving. And there were periods that there was exponential growth, as I shared several weeks ago. And all of a sudden, these advanced societies like Mesopotamia, like Egypt, Egypt like the Arcadian, Arcadian society, all of a sudden, they collapsed. And then Israel emerges. Moses emerges. And then the growth of civilization slows down again. So there's been these, these, these accelerations and there's these slowing down. Why? Because God is in control of world events. He's in control of human history. There are times in your life that he's done what? Accelerated things, slowed things down. There have been ebb, there's been flow. It is not outside of God's plan or God's control. I've got to stop here. I think you got something at least to start your wheels turning in your mind about history, about society at large, about your personal life as well. And we're going to dig deeper the next time we are together. Let's bow our heads as we go to the Lord in prayer, thanking him for this word today. Father, thank you for this time that we've spent together to unpack your word, to study and show ourselves approved as workmen in your kingdom, as ambassadors in your kingdom who have the strength, the know-how, the knowledge, the understanding to represent you to a world who is hungry for you and they just don't know it. Lord, every person that's watching right now is dealing with their own situations, but let them see it in light of the bigger picture. God is bringing a time, a season into their lives, and they must trust him with it. So Lord, bless us as we move forward with this word of revelation. Holy Spirit, show us how to apply it in our lives, in our own experience. We thank you and bless you today in Jesus' name. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for your support of this ministry as we look to bring the word of God and understanding of God uh, into the lives of those who would love him and serve him and those who don't even know him. Until next time, what do we say here? PJ used to say that. He's not here. Huh? As we leave this place, but never God's presence, Jesus is Lord Period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to the A.R. Bernard podcast. I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation. Make sure, subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing. Again, thank you and God bless.